Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. I am Paul Bernard, your host. On this podcast, what we basically try to do is to find simplistic solutions to complex spiritual or gathering problems within the body of Christ. And I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm glad that you chose to listen. I've gotten a lot of comments on the last one um, dealing with the Sunday-centric church and that thought process. Some were negative, some were positive, but uh, regardless, we're going to keep going, and this time we're going to change up things a little bit. Today we're going to start shifting gears from our typical gathering topic to a series on the identity of the members of the body, and that means you. No matter who you are or what you do in the body, you can be a pastor, you can be a lay minister, you can just be an attender or somebody that is just trying to grow in Christ, this deals with you. So it's no more about the, for a little while anyway, the systematic thought processes of church and how maybe this could be done a little bit simpler. And No, 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 no. We're going to start talking about some of the things that we as Christians, everyday believers, deal with on a daily basis. Okay. So let's start it out while talking about this. At the end of life, most people hope that their life meant something. You see people in their deathbed or even sitting on the front porch with a rocking chair thinking about how their life impacted others or was it really even meaningful, okay? So to translate that, our current state in life, in other words, where we are, right now, not necessarily at the end of life, is kind of the same question looks like this. What is my meaning? Or maybe you've heard it like this. What is the meaning of life, right? It's deep. So purpose and meaning are at the heart of most of life's major decisions. Think about it like this. What will my career be? Will I make a difference in the world in my career? What can I do to leave a legacy for others? I mean, am I going to have an impact in life? But now we do understand there are others, on the other hand, who do not ask these questions. We call these people existers. They simply exist through life. They don't really care if they have a meaning or a purpose. It's just this, they get up and they go. And I really feel sorry for these people, but they're out there. But no matter which side of the fence you're on, either you're a searcher for meaning or purpose in your life, or you're an existor, there lies a dilemma for both. And the dilemma is this, where do I find my value or worth? You see, if I have value and worth, it can translate in our own personal life is I mean something. People care. I have meaning and purpose. For a successful life, and this is very important, this question has to be answered. Therefore, many people search for it constantly. If you want to be successful in anything that you do, especially spiritually, then you've got to understand your purpose and meaning. And that's why we all search for it so often. So this worth or meaning, another word for that is value, and the value system that creates this is called identity. Or how we see uh, ourselves. And too many times how others see us. And we'll talk about that. The problem lies when we do not know our identity or we're not satisfied with how we see ourselves. In other words, you look in the mirror and you don't like what's happened. You don't like who you are. You don't like what you've done. And you start degrading yourself. You just don't like your identity. 
And so what that looks like for us when that happens is that we have to create a counterfeit identity. In order to find happiness, if we're not happy with our own identity or we're not satisfied, then we create what's called a counterfeit identity. And a counterfeit identity comes with the following questions. Now, this is very important that you hear this, okay? What you are known for. How do people see you? How do people know what kind of a person you are? You see, our counterfeit identity reflects directly on how others see us and avoiding at the same time how we see ourselves. Think about it like this. Why would somebody who has no money go in debt and buy a luxury sports car? They want people to perceive them in a certain way. Now, there are tons of different samples of this in society, but they want people to perceive them in a certain way. They, they're trying to create an identity. They want to look in the counterfeit identity successful, even though they are not in the world's eyes. So counterfeit identities seem to rule the world in a social media driven culture. Guys, people have made millions of dollars on people's need to stir their counterfeit identity through likes and follows. If someone likes me, I'm good. If someone follows me, I must be worth listening to. And as somebody that is on a social platform, I struggle with this too. I mean, is this podcast good? Am I good? Am I a worthless human being, right? And the social media structure knows and has set their whole platform up based on the fact that people are searching for value, worth, and identity. Okay? So couple that with a materialistic culture that thrives on the nice things to own, and that creates what many call an identity crisis. An identity crisis is where we get to a point where we cannot tell the difference between how others view us and we view ourselves. We've created a false identity so long that we have buried deep within us our true identity. And this is where as believers, we tend to drift from the meaning of grace and the depth of the cross and resurrection of Jesus to a work harder to get to Christ mentality. In Christian circles, this is known as a works-based salvation or justification through works. In this series, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into the types of counterfeit identities. We're going to look into their systems, how they affect our walk, and also how we can overcome them. So let's dive in and explore our first counterfeit identity. Now this one goes with a lot of people. Uh, it goes with me. I'm probably one of these people as well. I'm going to share a little bit of my story in this episode of how this affected me and my spiritual walk and how I truly did overcome it when I figured out some things about my own personal identity. But the identity that we're going to talk about today is called a performance-based identity. Now, just like the title of it, it's basically this. It's somebody that's identity is based on one's performance. How good you do, okay? How much you do. How well you are at what you do, okay? This identity thrives on accolades and recognized accomplishments, so if I do something 
in order for a performance-based identity to be validated in me, somebody has to come along and pat me on the back. Okay. And so that lets me know that they think I'm a good person or they think I have value or meaning. And once again, that is the whole premise of a counterfeit identity is that others can't see the true identity because we're not satisfied with that identity. So when I get accolades or recognized for accomplishments in my life, I thrive on those sorts of things so much so that it becomes my motive for accomplishing things. And because of the church's definition of success, this one is detrimental to believers. It basically says this, the more you do and the better you do, the closer to God you will be. So in other words, it kind of transcends from our earthly works and accomplishment to our spiritual works and accomplishment where we look for accolades and we look for recognizing our accomplishments in people. We start to look for that in God. Like the more we do, the more God's going to give you a pat on the back. Now understand something early in my ministry, I had a extremely difficult time with this. And the reason why is because I didn't like my identity. I didn't like who I was. I I constantly based myself on everybody else's opinion of me. And, And so I began to do ministry in such a way that it was successful so that people would see my ministry and think of me as what successful. And so I would hear all of the time people saying, man, it's such a good work. The church is doing, the church is growing. Wow. You've done an awesome thing. And when I do that, I loved it and I thrived on it. It was an addiction of mine until at one point I had some very, very awesome people that came around me in my life and said, look, you have an identity problem. This ministry is your identity. And so they took me away from that ministry for a period of time. We called it a sabbatical. I like to call it a timeout. And so in the timeout, I had no ministry. You see, during that time, I could not converse with church members. I could not talk to anyone about the success or what was going right or wrong at the church. It was just me and God. And let me tell you something. That was a soul-tearing experience for me because I figured out when I didn't have ministry and it was nothing but me and God, I didn't have an identity outside of that ministry. That's who I was. That's, that was my Christianity. So much so that I would say it's very comparable to say that was my faith was in the ministry, not in God. And let me tell you something. If you're a pastor or you're a lay leader of any kind and you have a ministry within the church or even in the community, it is very easy for you to confuse your walk with Christ with your success in ministry. And so when I finally took all of that away, I finally saw my identity in Christ. And we're going to talk about that. But you see, this is the truth. And I I want you to hear me when I say this. Satan has a counterfeit to everything that God does. Think about Moses, right? Moses went before Pharaoh and performed these miracles, these plagues, right? But you remember Pharaoh had these magicians that did the same things. That's how Satan works. Now, they were magic and counterfeit. They weren't real. But at the same time, Satan always has a counterfeit. Think about Christ. Who is the counterfeit to Christ? Well, he's coming. It is the Antichrist. This is what Satan does. Okay? He creates a counterfeit. And so if you have this performance-based counterfeit identity, there are some symptoms 
that you need to look for. This, so we're going to talk about just for a few minutes how many things there are that you can look inside yourself and say, man, I think I might have this, or I, I think I'm dealing with a performance-based counterfeit identity. Okay. Symptom number one is this, the need for accomplishments to feel complete. In other words, these people, these performance-driven people, they need to feel the wins. Okay. Now, where Satan puts his counterfeit in this is we call it exaltation. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Encouragement. We want to let people know when they're doing a good job. But in this situation, that exhortation, that exaltation is literally giving that person the drug that is taking them further away from God when you have this performance-based um, identity. And so if you have a need for accomplishments to feel complete in your life, in other words, you've got to be the best, watch yourself, okay? And the second symptom is this, the necessity of recognition in order to validate. It's not enough for you to just accomplish something. And, and this is key in this because I see this in a lot of people. I saw it in myself. You got to have others say when they saw you accomplish. Okay. Now this is Satan's counterfeit to affirmation, right? We need people to affirm us. Well, that's, that's Christian, right? That's, that's a good thing. But in this case, our motives are extremely misguided. Okay, so they need others to say they saw them do these things. Okay, now this is key on this. All right, the next symptom is the manipulation of people to complete an accomplishment, and this looks like Satan will throw humility in there with this one. Okay, now when you manipulate people, all right, this is how we tend to control. And I'll talk about that in another symptom, but we have to have things go our way to win. We will do anything to win. We cannot fail. Okay. Which leads me to the next one, but we have to control people. And so in order to control people and to control the environment that we're in, we have to literally manipulate people in order to get that. And so that leads me to the last symptom is the ultimate fear of failure and the need to control. Now, this is misguided leadership. This is what Satan would give you and say, this is just good leadership when you're controlling people, right? Narcissism and control go hand in hand with this one. It comes from the need to impress somebody. Now, I, I'm not trying to get all psychological on you or go counselor on you, but a lot of times people deal with this when they have parents that, did not affirm them enough as a child, did not say they were proud of them, did not even tell them they loved them. Someone who felt that they were never good enough in someone's eyes. And so if you feel the need for accomplishments to feel complete, if you have a necessity of recognition, you've got to have people say, now you look on Facebook and you can tell what your emotions do when likes or follows take place. Okay. And if, you find yourself manipulating people to complete an accomplishment or you have a serious fear of failure, then you need to understand that more than likely you have a performance-based identity. And this affects us as Christians. And so let's talk about that. So the spiritual drift that comes from performance-based identity 
Number one is condemnation. It's not conviction, it's condemnation. You never feel like you're winning. It doesn't matter how often you win. You just never feel like you're winning. As a matter of fact, you feel like you're a worthless person. And so what does that do? That drives you. That gets you up the next day to go do more incredible things or to be seen in many, many other ways, to do more social media posts so that you can get more likes and those sorts of things. And so condemnation is the very first way that we begin to drift spiritually. Okay. After condemnations, uh, condemnation, because of that, you become works driven salvation thoughts. Now, what this literally looks like is the more you work, the more you serve, the more God loves you, the more God is going to be close to you because of you doing these things. And so a lot of people will say things in works-based salvation like, if I'm not serving, God doesn't love me, or I'm not close to God if I'm not serving God, okay, in the church particularly, okay? But we're going to talk about that, but it's that's just not true, and I'm going to explain to you why that is. You are not saved because of what you do. You do not receive Christ because of what you do, and we'll talk about that. But then the last one is this, and this kind of goes with the symptom, the last symptom, is the fear of failure. And because of that, what happens is we begin to play it safe in ministry. We don't take risks. Somebody once told me that without risk, there can be no faith. And I believe that with all my heart, because if faith is a risk itself. And so we don't generally like to have a lot of faith. We like to play it safe with safety nets. We don't, we like to say this, God, I know you can do this and God, I know you probably will do this for me or you're going to deliver me out of this situation. But just in case you don't, I've got this safety net in the works. It's ready to go. And it's a fear of failure. And I love the way that person told me that statement that re- there cannot be no faith without risk. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me tell you something about Christianity and your faith. It's risky. It is risky. But that's what God wants. God wants you to wade out into the water like the Israelites crossing the Jordan. He wants you to trust in him. He wants you to go into battle like Gideon with pots and torches. He wants to show you how powerful he is. But in order to do that, you've got to step out of your own comfort zone and get into faith. And so that spiritual drift is condemnation, works-driven salvation, and a fear of failure. Now, finally, let's talk about the truth. What is the solution? Well, it's simply that, the truth. As far as condemnation goes, Romans 8.1 says, If you are in Christ, therefore now there is no more condemnation. Colossians 3.3 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, I want to explain this to you because this is so good, and it's going to bring this all back around. But when you encounter God, you encounter God through what I like to call the Jesus filter. You see, you're in Christ. Yeah, you know what? You were supposed to die. You were supposed to be swallowed up. You were supposed to be driven away. You were supposed to experience the full wrath of God. But right as God was about to throw that wrath on you, Jesus steps in and takes it for you. Therefore, you've already had it paid for you through Christ Jesus. So this whole thought process of condemnation is a totally false narrative 
that Satan puts in us to say, you're worthless. God doesn't love you. You're not any good to anybody. And so when we have that in us, we feel that con- condemnation. And it just takes us further and further down. Works-driven salvation, the solution there is, I mean, <laughs> I want to read a verse to you, and I want you to hear this. Ephesians 2.8, it says this, 2.8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, th- this is the part I want you to hang on to. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Verse 9 says, not a result of works so that no one should boast. If you believe that your works are going to get you closer to God, then you should be able to walk up to God in his throne room and say, God, look what I did. How can what you did ever compare to what he did for you? You see, we are not justified by the works that we do. We are justified because of God's love for us and the grace of Jesus Christ. Isaiah says it like this, you meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Now that's God. And those who remember you in their ways, behold, you were angry. And guess what? We sinned. And in our sins, we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? Verse six, we have all become like one who is unclean. Now listen to this. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment we all fade like a leaf in our iniquities like the wind takes us away you see guys it has nothing to do with your works god's grace has nothing to do with your works but it's all about your faith and you're willing to risk and you're willing to believe that he is who he said he is and when you accept him as lord and savior and i'm talking about lord and savior not just this is the religion i'm a part of but have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you begin to understand that grace. So let me ask you a question. What can you do in your performance-based identity to have God love you more? Sin causes us to separate from God, not God separate from us. Romans 8.38 says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you more or nothing you can do to cause God to love you less. It's been done on the cross. Your sins are paid for. All of them. Someone once told me this yesterday, and it kind of blew my mind at first until I just kind of sat there. It said this, if you understand grace, then you can sin all you want to. And at first, when I heard that statement, I was like, man, that is so not right. But then I got to think about it. If I understand grace, I'm not going to want to sin. It's a trick question. Nothing can separate us from God. And when we understand that, our identity stops being based off our performance. It starts being based on basically what he did for us and who we are in his eyes. So when you take away your works, when you take away your ministry, and nothing is left but you and God, then who are you to God? 
Better question. Who is God to you? Your identity must not be in your accomplishments, but in his accomplishment on the cross. The only way to overcome this counterfeit identity is to know who you are in Christ. And this is who you are. And this is, this is your true identity as a believer. And I want you to hear this because it doesn't matter anything else that you do. And it's not, you know, it, it's not going to work what you're trying to do. You are a forgiven, mercy-receiving child of an unconditionally loving father. That's crazy, isn't it? Your accomplishments will never give you what the enemy says that they will. The worst year of my life was 2013. This is when all this fell apart for me. I received an award as citizen of the year for the city that I'm in. I mean, that's a pretty big deal in a small town. I was even in a parade, man. It was, it was awesome. I graduated college. I got my bachelor's degree in Christian ministry. I had a church that was growing nonstop, largest church in the area. And what I found out in all of that was it never gave me what it promised me it would. I spent years working on those things. And at the end of it, I didn't feel any different. I didn't feel better about myself. You know what's truth? And I love this, man. Listen to this. I am righteous and perfect in every way, not through my works, not through my deeds, not even away from my sins, but through my Savior. And that is the way God sees me. You see, my friends, that's what happens when you truly grasp the concept of grace. And that is this. Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for the sin that you're trying to overcome with works. Guess what? It doesn't need to be paid twice. Stop condemning yourself. Start living in an identity that you are a child of God and nothing can stop God from loving you. You are awesome. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, podcast. If you have, please like and follow. Tell your friends about it. We have had a lot of support in this. This has really been exciting for me. I'm glad I'm able to do this and having a lot of great conversations with a lot of you guys. Um, so excited to to just share what God has shown me um, through this platform. So next week, we're going to continue on in the identity-based thought process. And so maybe you can identify with one of these other counterfeit identities. Um, But hopefully by the end of this series, you'll be able to look at yourself and say, no, 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 that's not who I am. I am a child of God, and that's all that truly matters. So until next time, remember, keep it simple.